Welcome back to Behind the Crime. I'm Rebecca Wood. And I'm Ella Calora. And we're this your hosts. Fifth episode. Yeah, our first one back from being home for winter break. So we hope you enjoyed our first four episodes mm-hmm. that we had. You can always re-listen on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, anywhere you listen. Wherever to you're podcasts. listening right now. Wherever you're listening right now, exactly. And follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We've been posting a pretty decent amount. We post every time an episode comes out, and later on we go back and post links. We post most times when we're reporting, sometimes when we're editing. We'll, we'll post updates on cases, perhaps these cases, hopefully, Yeah. that we talk about today. So go follow us. It's behind underscore the crime. I can never remember it. And you I- are the one who named it. I start with underscore behind the crime, and I'm like, that's not right. (laughs) So I leave that to Becky. That's your little job. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. You're going first? Sure. They're not closed cases. They're just cases that have been unsolved. For a very long time. I don't want to say unsolved because they're not closed. But they've had recent developments. Developments. Yeah, and both our cases, I'd say, pretty big developments. Yes, huge. So that's kind of the theme this week. Uh, yeah. And Becky's going to go first. Yeah, I have the lesser known case, I would say. Yeah, probably. Uh, I wasn't really even aware of it until November. The case of Melissa Highsmith, who was missing for 51 years. I'm just going to give background on the family. To start, Melissa was born in Fort Worth, Texas. She was born on November 6th, 1969. This is one of the longest missing persons cases in the U.S. Mm -hmm. She was born to Alta and Jeffrey Highsmith. They were married at 18, and they had her at 19. But shortly after her birth, they separated, and Alta became a single mother. They did eventually get back together and had four more children after Melissa. Jeff said that he had a spiritual revelation and changed his life for the better, according to their Instagram that I'll talk about later. So Rebecca is the next daughter after Melissa. She was born three years after she was kidnapped. Then it was Victoria, Sharon, and Jeffrey. Jeffrey's the youngest. He's between nine and ten years younger than Melissa. And he's the only son. Okay. So now I'm going to go into the kidnapping, how Melissa disappeared. Melissa's mother, as I said, became a single mother. And because of that, she had a lot of responsibility to herself. And she had to hire a babysitter out of the newspaper. So she put an ad in the newspaper. Then a woman called and she did a phone interview and hired her. Melissa was 21 months old. And this was in 1971. That's so young. I know. Not even two yet. No, not even two yet. So she was desperate because she had a shift coming up and she was working as a waitress. But she had nobody to watch Melissa. She did have a roommate. But she was once again, the parents were separated. They were not living together. So she gave a phone interview to the woman who answered the call. She called herself Ruth Johnson. And over the phone said that she had three children herself at home and that she had the place set outside. So it made herself seem really good over the phone. And while Alta did not want to hire somebody off the phone, she really just didn't have another choice because she had nobody else to do it. Mm -hmm. 
So Ruth Johnson, or so she calls herself, picked up Alta from the apartment on August 23rd, 1971. I wrote 1871 on my paper. (laughs) 1971. While Alta was already at work and Alta's roommate, whose name is Carol Lunsford, she was at home with Melissa at the time and gave the baby, Melissa, to the alleged babysitter. So I have a question. Why couldn't the roommate watch Melissa? I'm assuming she had a shift coming up too. It just wasn't as early. Oh, okay. Because I believe that the roommate, I read a lot of like different interviews, the roommate would help watch her because, you know, she's a single mother. Yeah. But I'm, I'm guessing that if she, because she must have been watching her in the morning before Ruth came, but then at a certain yeah. point she had to go to work too. Okay. Or go somewhere. Carol Lunsford described Ruth Johnson as nice and that she dressed to impress. She wore white gloves and a white blouse, sunglasses, and a bonnet. She was very tall and skinny and also described her as grandmotherly. Her mother, Alta, never saw the babysitter. She never saw her with her own eyes. And, you know, Carol handed over Melissa and then she was never seen again. So this is, that's how the kidnapping happened. Wow. Yeah, she was supposed to return Melissa between 3.30 and 4 because her mother got home at 3, or got off her shift at 3. Yeah. But she just never did. She never showed up. No. A few years ago, there were reports made that Melissa was seen in North Carolina, but nothing really came for it. But it did motivate the family to start searching even harder and in different ways. They were searching their entire lives and the four siblings who had never met Melissa, they were always raised knowing about her. They knew they had another sister Mm -hmm. and they did have love for her. They just never met her because she was kidnapped Mm -hmm. Uh, and they had no idea what happened to her. They didn't know who the woman was. I mean, she most likely used a fake name. Oh, yeah. For sure. And it's much easier to get away with that back then because there's not social media. You said that she was wearing gloves, so you can't even get fingerprints. That's off exactly of the what I was thinking when I read anything, that. Or like, if they had like a staircase off the railing, you can't get fingerprints. Yeah. So there, there was just no real evidence because I guess they had her phone number, but. So when she was originally kidnapped and after the mom got home, did she call the police and was there an initial search? Yes. There were missing posters. They posted a sketch of the woman who she does look very grandmotherly in it on our Instagram stories. We'll post it. Yeah. But it's a very rough sketch. It just looks like any grandmother to be Mm -hmm. on. Like it just looks like an old lady. Yeah. So I'm going to now talk into talk about Melissa's life as she grew up with her kidnapper mm-hmm. she grew up as melanie that's what ruth johnson changed her name to and was told by her kidnapper that her biological father was from japan and left before she was born so she didn't know she was kidnapped she thought this was her mother oh like her actual mother yes she, oh she did not know that she had a family looking for her She talked a lot about her childhood, that it wasn't a good childhood. She was never close with her kidnapper, who she believed to be her mother. Mm -hmm. She wasn't allowed to play outside ever. And what's crazy is her mother described her as she loved the outdoors, like Mm -hmm. even as a baby. So the fact that she was kept in as she was growing up when she probably would have loved outdoors even more is crazy. 
So she was oversheltered by her kidnapper, and she never really understood why, but her kidnapper, Ruth Johnson, claimed that she sheltered Melissa because she was born at home and had brain damage, and that's why she sheltered her. But really, now she knows she was sheltered because she was being hidden. Yeah, yeah. She never felt loved and described the household as abusive and ran away ran away at age 15 and she lived on the streets and she said she had to work the streets to survive that's so at 15 sad. and this whole time she thought this was her biological mother mm-hmm. and she would just could never understand why she couldn't love her like why she couldn't love her mom and why her mom couldn't love her mm-hmm. so she grew up really experiencing no love she does have three children so i'm from what it seems, she went on to, you know, be fairly happy. Yeah. So she ran away when she was 15 and she never went back? Never went back. But also okay, somehow, just... even though there were posters and there were AI-generated, like, pictures of what she might well, look like based they on... They could have just not been... I mean, I haven't seen the pictures personally, but they might not have yeah. been good enough that she didn't Well, especially back then. Was, yeah. She might not have realized that it was her. And, and nobody else had, did either. If she had no suspicions of yeah, it like of her being kidnapped or even like mm-hmm. adopted, that was the story she might have had yeah. suspicions. But since this woman told her that she was her actual mom, she never yeah. had any. And her suspicions, dad was so she Japanese, was never... which does not make any sense because yeah, the family is white. Yeah, so I don't know why. That's you would come up with a story like that because that yeah. that's just so odd. Yeah, that is. But anyways, so they did find Melissa in 2022. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how they did that before I talk about them reuniting. Mm-hmm. They started an Instagram page called Finding Underscore Mer- Melissa in October of 2022. I don't know exactly which family members run it, but it's run by her family. I'm assuming her siblings because they're yeah. younger. They're like in their 40s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her parents are in their 70s. They posted pictures of Melissa as a baby as well as the sketch of her kidnapper and the missing, you know, missing children's posters of her. And they posted a lot of different videos just telling their story as well as posting pictures of the siblings and like all the family members in case she bared more resemblance to them. They would put it side by side with the computer generated photo of what she might look like at this age next to one of her sisters and then next to her brother, next to her mother, next to her father Mm -hmm. in case they looked like her. Yeah. really smart. Yeah. They also said that Melissa had a birthmark on her neck or upper back and hoping that somebody might see a resemblance to the family and then see the birthmark and be like, that could be her. Mm-hmm. You know, and hopefully get, you know, tell the family or maybe walk off a turn and say, hey, have you heard of, you know, this case, of this yeah. missing child? Is it you? <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. They posted the sketch of Ruth Johnson, who just looked like the average older woman. Yeah. they. So the reason that they posted that was because they know that progression photos aren't necessarily reliable because it's just it's just a prediction. Yeah. And depending on a lot of different factors, she could look entirely different like she could have a scar yeah you just don't know yeah you don't know what's going to happen so here is how they found her finally after 51 years of her being missing 
They used a 23andMe DNA test. Jeffrey, her father, took it and matched with one of Melissa's three kids. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So they then reached out to Melissa on Facebook, and at first she thought it was a scam until she reached out to the woman who raised her and said, do you have anything to tell me? And that's when she said that... It, you know, she wasn't her biological mother. The quote of what she said is, I've been wanting to tell you something for many, many years. Somebody sold you to me for $500 on the street. No. And then Melissa was quoted saying, in my heart, I don't believe she bought me. I think she was the one who answered the ad and abducted me. Yeah. I do so too. So she had contact with her the entire time? I don't think she did. So I think she was able to contact her, but she didn't keep in contact. You okay, know what I mean? Okay, but, like, she had access to contact her. Like, she knew yes. how to find her. Yes. Okay. okay. So then what confirmed for Melissa's parents that Melissa was, or Melanie was Melissa, their mm -hmm. Melissa, was, one, the DNA test, and then confirming that it was her, they found saw the birthmark mm -hmm. in one of her pictures on her Facebook Eventually, the woman who raised her, she did confirm that she was Melissa. She confirmed that she knew who she was. She knew she was Melissa Highsmith. Wow. I don't know if she backed out of saying that she bought her, but she just knew her identity as well, or if she fully confessed to, yeah, I took you. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate thing is that the statute of limitations ended 20 years after Melissa turned 18, so when she was 38. It ended, but the police department have said that they want to close the case after all these years and are still going to work to uncover all the information they can. Obviously, the family wants the woman to be held accountable. Yeah. I also saw somewhere else that the was quoted saying that it's possible it was a man dressed in disguise, but that doesn't seem very likely considering... Melissa says that it was a woman who raised her. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's very likely, but I think at the time when they were searching, they were like, well, it could have been a man. She was very tall. Mm -hmm. So they can't arrest this woman. It's unclear. That's they're so frustrating. They're going, I believe that they want to. Yeah, they should. They, like, that's, that's ridiculous. But what else me. is confusing to me is that she was an older woman. And the fact that she's still alive is kind of confusing to me. Because in, in the sketch, she looks like a 60-year-old woman. Oh. And it's 50 years later. But also, well, if Melissa believes she raised her as her own biological child, she had to have been young enough yeah, for so that to make maybe sense. maybe the roommate just... Or maybe she made herself look older to be more trustworthy looking. Well, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of unknown with that. But the craziest part of this is that Melissa was living less than 20 minutes away the entire time. Are you serious? Less than 20 minutes away. Even yes. after she ran away at 15. And there were missing persons posters everywhere like it was well known. And they oh, were so always she searching knew about this kid. Like Melissa? Think, like, I don't think so. Like but if she was living 20 minutes away, she didn't go outside. And then by the really time that she point. was 15, there they were just probably, pictures of her as a baby. Yeah. And she didn't see pictures of herself as a baby because they didn't but have like, any. It's just crazy to me to think that when she was a kid, even at 15, you're still a kid. 
she was walking down the street and saw a poster of a missing kid and didn't realize it was her. She just had no suspicions, no, I, you know? I know. I know. Did, but it, that's just crazy. And it is very possible that she did see those posters and just didn't even think about it. Yeah, that's that's the crazy part. Mm. That's so sad. So she was located and identified on November 22nd, 2022, and reunited with her parents and her brother on November 26th. And when she met them, she said she was overwhelmed and on top of the moon. There's also videos of their reconnection. And before entering the room, you can hear Melissa saying, is that my mama? It's it's so heart-wrenching to watch, but it's yeah. also just such a relief. Like when they, when they hug each other, they walk mm-hmm. in and don't say a word and they just like embrace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we watched the videos yeah a couple months ago yeah i rewatched all the videos on their instagram recently and her father said when he was reunited with her i can't express the joy that i feel and melissa who was raised as melody melanie sorry said she's going to change her name back to melissa because that's her name you know she also said that she always dreamed of having a big family and now that's come true because she has four siblings yeah and i think something like eight nieces and nephews and three great nieces and nephews and also on december 22nd 2022 the family was reunited as a whole for the first time so the first time the whole entire family was the high smith family was together ever because their entire childhood they were always missing melissa yeah there's just so overwhelming yeah and they're still looking for the police to do more yeah and they're I, they don't necessarily say it explicitly on their Instagram, but it is clear that they're very frustrated with how was she living 20 minutes away this entire time and the police never found her. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes. I, even if she was never... Someone had to have seen her. Like, even if she was never let outside, that's just crazy to me that like no neighbors ever saw her yeah no like no one i guess they just <laughs> that's just thought it was another baby another child really, that's really frustrating that yeah they could have they it's so possible that they walked past each other on the street and just didn't know you know what i mean yeah because they were so close that's so frustrating but they're getting to know each other as a family now and yeah. she feels She's finally feeling all the love that she never had as a child, which mm-hmm. is so good. I just really hope that they can hold Ruth Johnson or whatever her real name is accountable. Yeah. And absolutely. seriously find out how she got away with this for so long. Yeah. Especially after Melissa escaped as a fi- or ran away as a 15-year-old. Yeah. I wonder if she went looking for her, you know what I mean, because she was scared of Yeah, that's the other interesting part like she ran away as a 15-year-old. I wonder if this Ruth, like, looked Cared. for her or was just like, oh well, I'm done. Yeah. It's also just so unknown. Why did you kidnap her? You didn't. It's not yeah. like you wanted a child, clearly, because you didn't love her. Well, maybe she did want a child, but then realized that, oh, this isn't my child, so it's never going to be exactly how I want this to be because this isn't my Yeah, kid. or maybe she just wanted something to control yeah i don't know that's yeah that's crazy i know the whole thing is just so crazy well at least they're reunited that's yeah. a happy ending yeah i'm so glad that, like they finally found her 51 years yeah missed out on her life and they're they're like we don't want to miss another second mm, yeah absolutely and now they have three and more both grandkids of her, both of their 
are both of Melissa's parents are alive. So yes, because they're they had her so young. The, that's the really happy part. Yeah. That, to me, that's like the amazing part yeah. is that they all can be together. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, mine isn't as happy. <laughs> we should have done yours last. Mine is a very well-known case. My case is The Boy in the Box or America's Unknown Child. I'm sure everyone has heard of this. It's a very popular case. So this boy was found on the side of the Susquehanna Road in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on February 25th, 1957. He appeared to be freshly cleaned and he had a like he had a recent haircut his fingernails had been trimmed everything like that you could see that he had had extensive physical abuse before he died mm-hmm. he had multiple bruises all over his body and he was malnourished he also had some medical scars on his body which this is a detail that I didn't know about the case until I I didn't either looked into it because I've I've known about this case for years but Mm -hmm. I looked into it again before we recorded this so he had medical scars on his body it like they appeared to be surgical scars which was weird because he had he had one on his ankle and he had an L one on his chin Mm. Such odd locations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And they they weren't, you know, he fell and cut his ankle and it wound Mm -hmm. up being deep enough to leave a scar. They were described as surgical scars. Hmm. So uh, that was weird. Police determined that the cause of death was homicide by blunt force trauma. He was wrapped in a plaid blanket and he was in a cardboard box, and the box was supposedly from a bassinet. It was a bassinet box mm-hmm. from J.C. Penney's. They were able to track it back to. Mm. So when he was originally found by a young man who was checking his muskrat traps, and this man, I couldn't find a name for him, he didn't report it because he was afraid the police would take his traps. Yes, because that's now, more important than a child. Yeah. Like now this to me this seems a little suspicious. He's apparently been ruled out. You can make your own opinion on him. I mean, you're a bad person either way yeah. because you Whether he had something to do with it or not. You see this child dead in this box in the middle of the woods and you don't report it. So then a few days later, a college student, this is the story. Now you can make your own opinion on this one too. He saw a rabbit when he was driving by and he got out of the car because he knew that there were animal traps and I guess he wanted to save the rabbit. Mm -hmm. And he found the boy's body. He didn't report it until the following day, which how do you just, how do you do that? And at least it's crazy that it happened twice that somebody found the body and did and nothing did, at least at first. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing because the only reason he reported it is because the next day he heard about Mary Jane Barker, which at 
was another kid at the time who had been kidnapped. Maybe we'll cover her story on another episode. But he, once he heard about Mary Jane Barker, he decided to report it because he thought it could be her. So at least, at least he reported eventually, but. Yeah. And he didn't wait, like, at least it wasn't like a month later when so much more DNA could have been, you know what I mean? Evidence could have been lost. And he never really had an explanation for why he didn't report it immediately. I'm assuming that he was afraid that he didn't have enough of a story to make police like or he was going out there to do something illegal or he was yeah there could be a whole lot more to that so uh, but he's also been ruled out right yeah okay so then the police go he was found naked in a cardboard box wrapped in a blanket the box was from a bassinet from J.C. Penney's. The police took fingerprints to identify him, but they could not at the time, and no one came forward with any mm-hmm. kind of useful information at all. It was on the news everywhere. They had flyers, and... The crime scene was combed over by over 270 police officers. Wow. The only thing that was found was a man's blue corduroy cap and a child's scarf, and also a man's white handkerchief with the letter G embroidered on it. Mm. They also distributed a post-mortem photograph, so they got him fully dressed and put him in a sitting position to try to make it appear that he was alive to see if that would help anyone identify him that came up with nothing so they buried him and at first he was he wasn't buried in a cemetery a man from the community took him and buried him on a plot of land that he had oh which was interesting so then in 1998 the body was exhumed to extract dna from a tooth And then nothing came from that. On March 21st, 2016, the National Center for for Missing and Exploited Children released a forensic facial reconstruction, and they added it to their database. The body was exhumed again in 2019 to retrieve more DNA from it. I'm going to go through some theories and then... I'll get into some more present-day stuff on the case. The original theories was that he was from a foster home because they had found a similar bassinet there. And there was a story that they got a psychic and she was feeling energy that connected him to this foster home, but nothing came from that. Mm. And... The foster home reported that all of their kids were accounted for. So then there was this woman who only goes by the name of Martha or an M name. They it they think it was Martha, but it, through the years her name has kind of been mixed up. Mm-hmm. This was in 2002, February of 2002. 
and she claimed that her parents had bought a kid back in the day and kept him in the basement and abused him. Oh my God. This was dismissed because she had a history of mental illness and nothing else could be proven. So they dismissed that. And then there's another theory that's, it's a very loose theory that he was raised as a girl Oh, that's I feel like that's one of the more popular theories. Yeah, it's not true. The only reason why people think that is because he was groomed so well and his eyebrows were done, his nails were like kept very clean and all of that. So that's why that theory came about. I'm going to go through some of the burial stuff cuz it's interesting. He was So I said he was first buried in a potter's field from a man. Which is very odd. Yeah, I'm not sure. I couldn't find a whole lot on that, but every article I read just briefly mentioned it, and I thought it was interesting. Yeah. In 1998, he was reburied at a hill cemetery in Cedar Brook, Philadelphia. And that plot was donated by the son of the man who originally buried him. That's also interesting. I wonder if they had, like, some child death in their family or something that made them feel connected to this boy, you know? I'm not sure. And at the time, his headstone read, America's Unknown Child. So then... Recently, November 30th, 2022, years, years later, genetic testing and investigative genetic genealogy was done, and it was found that he was a child of a prominent family in the Delaware County, PA area. Mm -hmm. On December 8th, 2022, he was identified as four-year-old Joseph Augustus Zarelli, born on January 13th, 1953. On January 19th, 2023, his parents were identified as Augustus J. Zarelli, otherwise known as Gus, and Mary Elizabeth Plunkett, also known as Betsy. This was, they were able to find this because of a cousin who had uploaded his DNA to a Mm. public database. And this cousin, his mom, was a first cousin of one of Joseph's parents. Mm -hmm. So right now, this is still an active case. Both of his parents have passed away, but he does have quite a few living half-siblings. Oh, Yeah. That's interesting that they're half-siblings. Yeah, I didn't find a whole lot on that either. Do you know if they're older or younger? I would assume younger. I didn't find that. Hmm. And on January 13th, 2023, which would have been his 70th birthday, they changed his headstone to say Joseph. That's good. Yeah. I'm also glad that they put America's unknown child instead of the boy in the box on his headstone. Yeah. It's just more tasteful. Yeah. So, oh, I don't even know what to say. 
So this is one of Philly's oldest unsolved murder cases, mm-hmm. and it was six and a half decades. Yeah, like that he was unidentified, and it's just when I heard that they had finally identified him, I thought that was crazy because I heard about this case mm-hmm. years ago. I've known about this case for years. And I knew how old it was. Yeah, and that he, just, they never even knew his name, which yeah. is so sad. Also, I heard when they identified him, at first they didn't put out his name, but a, about yeah. a month after they did. And then a little later they put out his parents' names. Mm-hmm. But they also said that they did have suspects, but they obviously weren't oh. releasing them. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I wanted to know if you found anything more about that. No, they do. They said that they do have a couple suspects, but they are not releasing any more information than that. They're not releasing names. They're not. I mean, releasing. I don't blame them for doing that because yeah. if you're trying to go through with that, mm-hmm. releasing their names isn't a good plan. But I just have a feeling that they're not going to be alive any longer. Because yeah. of how long ago it was. I did read one article and it did say that finding the whoever did this is highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. Finding them alive is even less likely. Pretty much impossible. But I do hope they at least figure out who it was, even if they're not alive anymore. Yeah. I hope they figure out who it was too to give the living family some closure. I yeah. mean the living family, probably none of them even knew him. Considering the fact that their parents never went forward and said anything. Yeah. It's which it's is all very so weird. weird. And they don't know why. No one knows. And I bet why. they never said anything to the younger siblings or mm-hmm. the half siblings. They just never yeah. knew about him. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just crazy to me that six and a half decades later they finally were able to identify mm-hmm. him after just is, nothing this is a very well-known yeah. case i mean it's been well known for years and years mm-hmm. and years i mean anyone who has a crime podcast or a crime youtube channel or anything like that has covered this case yeah. that's why i went through it pretty quickly except the new informa- information yeah well DNA really did a lot in these two cases. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it took one cousin to upload his DNA to a public database, and it just... Yeah. They were able to identify him. It's just crazy. Yeah. That's what's so unfortunate about crimes that took place so long ago. They just didn't have what we have nowadays to identify yeah. people, to find people, to connect it's, people. It's nice to know that six and a half decades later because they had his dna yeah it's nice to see them not giving up yeah in both cases yeah because this is an old case um, and they were still able to use this new technology to identify him and hopefully they'll be able to identify his killer and and the kidnapper in my case yeah and the kidnapper in your case hopefully Eventually, we'll have some updates on these cases, hopefully. Yeah, if we have updates on either of the cases, we... We'll post about them. But But hopefully, we do have some updates because that would be... I mean, both of these updates are huge. They are. I mean, yours is a happy ending for sure. Yeah, but still not fully closed, you know? It's just still missing that one thing of who 
is this woman who did this. Yeah, but at least they're together with their yeah. family. And for mine, I mean, the town that he was buried in, I mean, the whole town knows about this, and they actually, I read an article saying that people every single year on his birthday will leave flowers and toys Good. at his grave. Hopefully something yeah. comes up. But, yeah. Yeah. So I think that wraps up this episode. Thank you for watching. Listening. Or, oh, no. We're keeping that in. <laughs> I have had a long day. <laughs> well, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Yeah. So um, stay tuned. Uh, keep checking our Instagram for updates. Yeah, it's... Behind like, underscore the crime. Ella cannot remember. Behind underscore the crime. Oh, she got it. I got it. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll nope. see you in two weeks. Listening. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, guys. <laughs>